Have you ever had that moment, that glorious, glorious moment where a member of the public, a complete stranger says to you, your dog is so well behaved and you feel so, so smug. If you haven't had that moment yet, or maybe you have, you can still get a few tips from this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about what is a well-trained dog. Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist. And each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hi, and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. So today we're going to be thinking about what is a well-trained dog? What does that even mean? And the answer to that question would be different from every single person that you asked. And in fact, I have asked a lot of people. So in my private Facebook group, which you should join if you're not already a member, we'll link to it below. I asked this question a few months ago. I said, what is a well-trained dog? And I got all kinds of answers. Some people said, well, I've got a service dog, so they're trained to pull clothing out of my washing machine or trained to alert me to medical problems. Some people said, I just want my dog to walk nicely on the lead or to come when I call them. Some people said, you know, I just want them to be a dog. Just, you know, they don't need to be well trained. They just need to know their name and to a few basic cues or commands, as some people call them. We'll talk about that in a later episode. So it really is different. Some people train their dogs to be sports dogs or service dogs or assistance dogs or working dogs of many descriptions. And you might think those dogs are super highly trained, but they're highly trained in certain skills. And actually, you can train your pet dog, if that's what you have, or your surface dog to whatever level you personally want. And that's what it comes down to for me. So it's about you and your dog as a unit, as a team. There is no set of things that your dog should know. There's certainly no set of things that your dog should know by a certain age or after a certain number of repetitions or whatever it might be. And this is a bit of a bugbear of mine where a lot of face-to-face classes, not all of them, and bear in mind, I do face-to-face classes too, so I'm not against them. But there's these sort of set of skills that have just been dripped down generation after generation. Um, So you go to a, let's say, an eight-week puppy class with your young dog. And we teach them how to sit, how to lie down, how to leave it, how to walk nicely, and maybe a really basic recall exercise. And often those same skills are just recycled week after week. And the idea is that as you practice week after week, and as you practice at home as well, of course, that your dog will get better at it. And then by the end of the six or eight weeks, you'll be at a level where you can say, yeah, okay, you can go and do this on your own now. The thing with that is that although those skills are all useful, and I'm not knocking them, they're not necessarily the things that a lot of us need. (laughs) So those five or six skills, whatever I name there, they don't really teach my dog that when I leave my pizza on the worktop and nip to open the door, that I would prefer he didn't put his paws up there and eat the entire thing. (laughs) They don't really help when I'm walking down the street and my dog spots a toddler on the other side who is screaming and screeching because they want to see the dog. And my dog's like, I must get to you immediately. And they start lunging and barking and looking really aggressive and making you really quite embarrassed when all you know is they just want to say hello to that child. But not quite in the right way that we're looking for. They don't teach you that, sure, that your dog will come when called in the church hall where you're doing your puppy classes, but then when you're in the park, 
and there's six dogs playing or there's a squirrel or a bunny that runs past, mm, that recall might not be quite so reliable then. So it really comes down to how you and your dog want to live together. So simple things like, are you someone that wants the dog sleeping in the bed? Are you someone that wants the dog on the sofa? Full disclosure, I allow both of those things in my house, but it is my dog's choice. I'm not going to force them to do one or the other. Some people never want the dogs on the furniture. Some people want them on at certain times. Some people want them on all the time. All those things are fine, but it comes down to your personal choice and the kind of dog that you're living with. What's their personality? What kind of things do they like or dislike? So for me, a well-trained dog is not a dog that knows how to sit necessarily. I I will do a future podcast episode on the overuse of sit because I think it's absurd <laughs> the amount of time that a lot of us waste just asking our dog to sit when we could be asking them to do a million other things that would be more useful for our recall, for example. But before I get on my soapbox, that's for another episode. But for me personally, the things that I look for in what I would consider a well-trained dog for my home Firstly, is a dog that can relax, a dog that isn't just go, go, go with no off switch. And let's be honest, most of them come that way. (laughs) There are a few dogs and certain breeds, let's say, that are more predisposed to be a little bit more chill and a little bit more calm. But most dogs, especially young dogs or certain high energy breeds, let's say, they go, go, go. And actually teaching them to be calm and to relax is a real skill. It's something they have to learn. It's not necessarily something that comes naturally. And to be able to relax, not just when they're at the point of exhaustion. So I don't mean taking them for a three hour walk and then them coming home and crashing or them going to daycare for 10 hours and coming home and their tongues hanging out for, (laughs) I don't know, five hours and then they're up and recharged and ready to go again. But it's actually being comfortable, being in that relaxed state and then being able to, you know, get a bit more drive and excitement and play with you or train with you or go for a walk or whatever it is you do in your home. But in those in-between times, being able to relax and finding that easy, not a stressful thing because that's what happens with so many dog and human relationships. We're trying to work, let's say, work from home, let's say, and we're saying to our dog, you know, he just chill out. Can you relax for a bit? And our dog's like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. (laughs) And that's where you get some of that tension and some of that friction there. So being able to relax is the number one for me. And then being able to take them to different places. So pre, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, <laughs> we were actually able to take our dogs to more places. So to other people's homes, on holiday, to pubs and, and cafes and even some restaurants outside. And being able to take my dog there and again for them to be able to chill and relax there. So not to be barking at me or whining or trying to steal the food off of my plate, but actually to be able to enjoy their company in different places. Now, don't get me wrong, this is not for every dog. And some dogs who find this very, very hard, I would question whether it's ethical to keep trying to force them into those situations or whether we need to think again. But for those dogs that are capable of doing that, that's something that I like to do. I like to be able to share experiences with my dog. So being able to take them to lots of different places and then also being able to give them to other people to look after so being able to for example if I'm out on a walk with my friend and I need the loo to be able to pop into the toilet and leave my dog with my friend without them screaming and crying I'm not even talking necessarily leaving them overnight (laughs) but that will be a factor that has to happen at some point you're going to have to go away and leave your dog so for them to feel comfortable with that as well a little bit of a theme here (laughs) of being able to be calm and relaxed 
also, just going back to what we were talking about before, some degree of impulse control. So not having to watch my dogs every move because I know that as soon as I take my eyes off them, they're chewing my skirting board or they're stealing my food or they've got my their paws up on my counters or on my worktops or they're racing at the door and barking. But just knowing that I've done enough work that I can trust them and leave them with things without having to say, wait, leave, stay in that kind of tone of voice that's like, you better not do it or there's going to be consequences because I don't want my dog only listening to me because they fear what the consequence might be. I'd rather they listen because they've learned that it's actually a better deal for them (laughs) not to steal my stuff or bite my stuff or whatever it might be. And then thinking about willingness to work with me so my relationship with my dog is the most important thing when it comes to training that's what I want all of my training to feed into and that's why I only use force free methods because I want to build a relationship with my dog not rip it down I don't want them to fear me or be worried about what my reaction might be I want them to be like yeah this person is fantastic and I want to work with them and play with them and train with them and it's all gay it's all a game it's all fun it's not serious and loads of regimen repetitions but it's actually something exciting and nice that we can do together and so for all of those things being able to relax being able to take them to new places to be able to leave them with other people having some degree of impulse control and actually willingness and joy to work with me you have to be a team you have to be a unit it's not about telling your dog you must obey me here are your commands listen to me it's about asking your dog would it be all right if you uh you came over here would you mind (laughs) and for your dog to say yeah of course I'd love to come over here because all of the history of you and I working together is that it's fantastic for me to be near you rather than going off and rolling in that fox poo or whatever it might be that you don't want your dog to do So for me, that comes from allowing my dog to express themselves. So it's not about repression. It's about expression. It's not about stopping my dog from chasing that rabbit. But it's actually saying, I'd rather you didn't chase that rabbit, but could you come over here and chase this toy instead? Have a fun chase experience with me rather than racing after that poor animal in the distance. And all of that comes with practice. It comes with setting up the situation in a distraction-free place to begin with. So working on chasing a toy at home, for example, and then thinking, "Mm, are you at the point where I can start to test this outside? Maybe you are, but I'm going to have you on a long line just in case. So if if we haven't quite built up quite enough history we have really really good reinforcement for this just yet and that bunny looks a little bit too tempting I know that I'm able to stop you get your focus back on me and then reward you for that rather than taking the lead off you racing off and me screaming at you and trying to get you back and maybe risking poor bunny's uh, safety (laughs) which we don't want to do if we're animal lovers so really think about how you can channel your dog's needs and desires and give them an outlet for those in a really positive way rather than just depriving them and stopping them so I want you to go away and think about what do you want what do you want for your dog's training what is it that's important in your home and what's important to your dog actually how can you train them in a way that means that they're having so much fun with you that they want to listen to you and they want to work with you once you've got that down you are onto a winner and everything will be, if not easy, at least figureoutable from now on. So 
if you have enjoyed enjoyed this episode do come along and let us know on instagram you can follow us at pause up dogs training let us know what you thought and also tell me what is it that you want from your dog's training and what is it that you're going to be focusing on this week take care